welcome to the Cake Adjacent Podcast, a once a week update on all things food, family, community, gardening, whatever. We call it Sidecar. If it has to do with the rituals around food and holidays, making food or taking it places, or remembering what we were eating during important times in our lives, we'll talk about it here. I am your host and bestie, Jen Coleslaw, coming to you from the soulless suburbs of Northern Virginia. Now, wait a minute. I'm not in Northern Virginia. I'm in Honolulu, Hawaii. And you might even be able to hear the luau happening outside my hotel balcony. Hello, friends. What a long, strange trip it has been, and it's only been five days. For those of you who follow me on the social and who are friends with me in real life know how much I love it out here in Hawaii. I've been coming out here since I was a junior in college when I spent a week with no more than $5 in my pocket after the World Debate Championships in Sydney, Australia, and I fell absolutely in love with the island life. And in 2005, I started coming semi-regularly with Ben, who has a big work conference that his company organizes. The last time we were here was just about exactly three years ago, before COVID and cancer, and before some of my very favorite people in the world left it. I've talked here about all the things we've lost in the last three years, personally and collectively. And I think you all know me well enough to know by now, and you have picked up how much I love sharing experiences with the people I love and people I don't even know. I'm an oversharer in a lot of ways, and I have been looking forward to sharing Hawaii with you all. But at the same time, I've had a lot of trepidation and anxiety about traveling. I fretted for weeks about the trip about packing, about flying, about who was going to take care of the animals while we were away, about who was going to check in on the house while we were away. While I am a perennial overpacker, I am an accomplished and confident traveler. But the events of the last few years has really shaken my confidence in all sorts of ways, and certainly my ability to travel comfortably and without anxiety. So it shouldn't come as any surprise to anyone that the first few days of this trip were an abject disaster. The flights were long and uncomfortable. The airport was crowded. No one was wearing a mask. The resort where we are staying is packed. There are people everywhere. It's loud. I mean, right now there are people right outside the door yelling. Everything was just too much for me to bear. I felt like I was picking up some kind of bad vibe the universe was sending out and that I was being suffocated by it. We had planned to do one overnight on the big island and I was sorely tempted to just go to the ticketing agent and say that instead of Hilo, I wanted to go back to Dulles. That's how overwhelmed and overwrought and helplessly sad I was feeling. But my sister Catherine comforted me in a way only a big sister can, and I got on that plane for the 37-minute hop to Hilo, and that 24 hours away from the craziness of Waikiki did make a difference. We visited some farms that grow cocoa and macadamia nuts totally off the grid using only solar and wind power, and we saw far fewer people and cars and tourists, and we walked through the largest Edo-style Japanese gardens in the world outside of Japan and put our feet in the water on a beach with black volcanic sand and drove through the lava fields of the world's largest, biggest, still active volcano, rumbling, threatening, witnessing the resilience of nature as scrubby trees and plants and woody flowers grow up through the cracks in the lava rock. And I thought, you know what, if nature can rally, then so can I. 
I'm still missing writing out postcards to Nancy and Gordy and texting the weather report to Erica every day and running short story ideas by her for my Hawaii fairy tale series. And I'm taking far fewer pictures than I usually do. And I'm day five and I still haven't been in the water yet, never mind snorkeled and visited with my fish friends. I haven't seen coconut cake on a menu yet. The world is still different and I'm different and the things that gave us comfort might not be the same anymore. We continue to seek sure footing somewhere, some way, and we try to find a new normal, whatever that means for each of us. So here I am, my favorite place on the planet with lots of things going wrong with this trip and I'm afraid I won't want to ever come back here again. And so I am proceeding with caution, not rushing out to find all the carrot cake or stripping off my travel clothes while running into the ocean because some little part of me wonders if I slip below the waves, if I'll just stay there, metaphorically speaking, of course. Here's another thing. The last three years, I have spent more time listening to people. I have listened to people of color speak their truth about the never-ending barrage of racism and microaggressions, and I have listened to Native Hawaiians explain why tourism is not good for Hawaii and Native Hawaiians. And I have learned more about how it is that Hawaii became a state, and as I look out from the 23rd floor of my hotel room overlooking a thousand-boat marina with a parking lot and a man-made lagoon right next to the ocean with its dying and bleached coral reef so bright that in the mornings I can see from my balcony, sometimes even sea turtles looking for a light breakfast before the clumsy tourist surfers get out there. And while a $50 a plate luau is being set up on the great lawn between the hotel towers where tonight native Hawaiians from the Polynesia Cultural Center bought and paid for by the Mormon church, by the way, will dance for the tourists and tell the story of how the islands were born, but nothing about how the islands were stolen from their ancestors. And me and my big feelings, I wonder if I should even be here. What damage am I doing here? Even with my relatively small eco footprint and my sensitivity to other cultures and their stories and their histories, I am conflicted and complicit in this appropriation. But as you all know by now, I don't have all the answers. I only have more questions. I will tell you though how exciting it was to be on the big island at one of these huge farm collectives, and I'll put some pictures up for the Patreons, where there were thousands of acres and it was all agricultural, but it was easily the most beautiful land on that side of Hawaii. While it was far from the ocean, maybe 10 miles, the vistas were incredible. That land and all of the other agricultural land that we saw had to be worth billions of dollars to developers, and I hope they never are able to get their greedy paws on it and that it remains farmland for the people who live there. My goal is to record another episode from Hawaii, maybe two, maybe when I'm not feeling so hosed up about everything, and hopefully I can report what I've that I've eaten something more interesting than two cheeseburgers and a piece of cheesecake that clearly came from Cisco Foods, but did at least have lilikoi syrup drizzled on it. But I'll leave you with this little factoid. The Hawaiian hoary bat, which is this tiny little bat that only weighs between half and three quarters of an ounce, is the official land mammal of Hawaii because there are no others that are endemic to the islands. All other land mammals are invasive and destructive to the flora and fauna of the islands. And this tiny bat, the size of a hummingbird, which by the way are banned in Hawaii because they ruin pineapples, is endangered due to habitat loss. 
I urge you all to listen to the Anthropocene-reviewed episode about the story of the endangered bird species, the Kua'i'io, and I will link it in the show notes. And if you're not moved by that, then your heart is made of stone. Okay. We are at the end of the month, which means a new month begins. And guess what? It's time for you to set your alarm to say rabbit, rabbit, rabbit on Tuesday. We are really going to need it with the midterm elections coming up. And if things go to shit, I will absolutely know who to blame. And I will admit I'm a little sorry not to be home for Halloween. I have some great inflatables. You know how much I love inflatables. And I love it when the kids come to my door. The kids in my neighborhood are so sweet and polite, and their parents standing on the sidewalk waving to us. I hope you all have lots of kids at your door and lots of adorable costumes, and that you're able to give away all the candy, even the stuff that you picked out last week to save for yourself. I'm sorry I missed the last two weeks of the food holidays for October, but let's get back on track with November's month-long holidays and then the first week of November. First up, November is Georgia Pecan Month, and since it's specific to Georgia, I will say it the Southern way, which is pecan. I love my mother-in-law's pecan pie, although my regular mother also makes a good one. I like pecans baked in things, but it is definitely one of my least favorite nuts in a mixed nut can. It's also Good Nutrition Month, so whatever that means. It's National Peanut Butter Lovers Month, and I absolutely count myself among the peanut butter lovers of the world. It is Pepper Month, which I suppose could mean all kinds of things, so I will let you decide whether that is cracked black pepper, hot chili peppers, sweet bell peppers, or some combination of those plus any other pepper you might desire. It's Raisin Bread Month, and I like toasted raisin bread with a little butter. It's an excellent snack, and I should buy raisin bread more often or figure out how to make it in my bread maker. It is also Adopt Senior Pet Month, um, National Pet Cancer Awareness Month, and Pet Diabetes Month, as well as Banana Pudding Appreciation Month. And while I'm not a fan of pet cancer or pet diabetes, I do love senior pets. And when we took Ladybug in as a hospice, which is a hospice foster, because she had cancer, we never thought she'd last more than a few months. And now four years later, she's definitely starting to slow down now that she's fully blind and has diabetes. But having her has been an absolute delight. So do not be afraid of old dogs or even old sick dogs because sometimes they'll surprise you. And they tend to love banana pudding. It's also vegan month, which is not a thing I celebrate, but if you do, I hope you have a great month. You'll be pleased to note that it is also National Fig Week for the first week of November. Although are figs really vegan if they have a weird fruit wasp in them that gets macerated by the sugars in the fig? That is a very good question that I should probably look into for the next podcast. By the way, in other news, it is also Adopt-A-Turkey Month, which makes me feel a little weird. I mean, do you just adopt it until Thanksgiving, or do you adopt it to save it from being Thanksgiving? Another question I better get to the bottom of. I also have a lot of feelings about Thanksgiving, and pretty much none of them are good, and you're going to hear all about them later in the month. Okay, on to the food and otherwise holidays for the first week of November. Tuesday, November 1st, after uh, which you can celebrate after you say rabbit, 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 or some variation, please do not forget, is National Deep Fried Clams Day, as well as National Calzones Day, 
and I will absolutely leave you all the clams. It is also vinegar day, which you know has many uses. You can drink it, you can use it for cleaning, you can put it in things. It is also cook for your pet day, and I had to read that twice to make sure I didn't say cook your pet day, because that would be a total bummer. It is also men make dinner day, so you can understand my concern there. Just kidding. Ben makes almost all the dinners at our house, and so far he has never cooked a pet. Okay, Wednesday, November 2nd is one of my favorite days of the year. It is National Deviled Eggs Day. I love deviled eggs so much. You know, I would go to a Republican fundraiser if I knew there were fresh deviled eggs there. One day I will open up my own deviled egg restaurant or food truck, and it will be called Wicked Chicken Deviled Eggs. And my deviled eggs will be stuffed with all kinds of things, and I will even figure out how to have dessert deviled eggs. Thursday, the 3rd, is National Sandwich Day, and I don't think I have to remind you, do I, that a hot dog is a sandwich, but Spam Masubi is not a sandwich. It is also Jellyfish Day, and I can honestly say that I have never prepared a jellyfish because, as you know, I do not eat seafood. But we should ask Ingo over at the Golden Ratio how he would prepare a jellyfish since he seems to be the expert on all things jellyfish. It's also Use Your Common Sense Day, and I think I will just leave that there. Friday the 4th of November is National Candy Day, and honestly, that should be a whole year. It should be a whole year of candy day. Every day, a different candy. Who's with me on this? I know you all are. Let's make it happen. Saturday is Donut Appreciation Day. Again, that should be every day of the year. But here on Oahu, I'm hoping to get my mitts on some malasadas before Saturday, which are Portuguese donuts, and they are very good. I'll tell you all about them in the next podcast. And Sunday is National Nachos Day. And of course, it goes without saying that I am a fan of nachos. It is also National Shelter Animal Appreciation Day. And again, big fan. I think that our municipal shelters especially are a great place to get a pet. Okay, that is it for the food holidays. And I will be back either later in the week or next weekend with hopefully a funner pod about all the things I've been doing and eating once I get over how many people are in the elevator with me and how many of them are not wearing masks. In the meantime, please do not forget that you have an impact on every place you go, so tread lightly. And I will see you later in the week.